wonderful friends, welcome to Fate FM Drive Time Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible, and where we look at the world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Rita, the South Australia Regional Coordinator for Fate FM, and I'm very happy to be with you today. Thank you for tuning in. It's wonderful to have you with us today, and uh, please stay with us for this hour because uh, we have a program uh, prepared for you to enjoy and to benefit of the teachings of the Bible because we like to look into the Bible to um, look at topics and things going on in in, uh, society today. As we just said um, here, we want to tackle some uh, religious trends, you know, in the light of Bible prophecy. And we have also a segment uh, coming up uh, very uh, shortly, World Watch. Going to look to an article, which we want to comment on that. Stay with us, don't go anywhere, and even better, I would like you to be part of the program. Now, you know that you can do that uh, by sending us a text message with a question, a thought, sharing with us something, and the number is zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one. Please don't hesitate to write us a text message and be part of this program today. This is Drive Time BQ&A from Adelaide, South Australia. And it's wonderful to say hello to a full panel, I will say here, in the studio. I never had so many people in the studio, but it's wonderful to have you all, guys. Yeah, I'll start with you, Tracy. Tracy is our um, regular uh, co-host on Fridays, and uh, wonderful to have you with us, Tracy. Hi, Nick, and hi to my co-host today, and hi to all the listeners. Hope you enjoy the program. Now, I believe you know Tracy by now if you are a regular uh, listener, but if you don't, uh, Tracy is worshipping uh, with um, us in South Australia with um, Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church, and Tracy is very passionate to share uh, the good news, the truth about Jesus. Just before you could go on, can I just say a shout out to a lovely new friend I made at the presentation that we had at our church yesterday. So hi to Edith if you're listening. It was lovely to meet you. Look forward to seeing more of you. Wonderful. And I'm looking forward for you to share some more things what's going on with um, Brighton Adventist Church. Yeah. But uh, I'm thrilled to say hello also to Sam Braga. It's good to have you with us, brother. It's very good to be here. (laughs) Thank you for the invitation, Nick. Now, uh, if you don't know Sam Braga, even though uh, Sam has a segment uh, with us on Faith FM, he speaks. Do you know what's the program? What topics you share on the the been. uh, I had eight topics presented uh, leading to an evangelistic program in Aubrey. Mm -hmm. And we looked at um, the certainty of uh, Bible uh, predictions and how they prove that the Bible is the Word of God. What I would like to mention about Sam, because if you don't know, my dear friend listening today, if you haven't heard Sam yet, try to Google, because Sam has few programs on uh, on different uh, platforms. But uh, Sam is a, a minister of the gospel, but he lives by faith. You like to serve God and not to be paid. Is that true, Sam? Yes, uh, the Lord called me about 11 years ago to do that. I used to be a paid pastor, and then the Lord called me to live by faith, and I've been doing that ever since, and it's been a wonderful experience. 
I would like to hear more about that, actually. Maybe we should take an interview with you at some point in time. But yeah, that's wonderful, you know, to relay on God. Mm. Um, now, we all um, need um, to carry on with life and needs. But, you know, God promised us that he will never leave us, never mm. forsake us. He will take care of all the things. And too often we do too many things and we are getting too busy with ourselves to support ourselves rather than to ask God. To yeah. do that, yeah, I've I've tested that when Jesus says that we're not to worry about what we're gonna eat, what we're gonna wear, and even our life, that because we have a Father who cares for us, and Amen. those words are hundred percent true. Yeah, that's that's great, and uh, yeah, Sam, it's here in Adelaide uh, conducting some uh, uh, training. Training, yes, for two churches. All Mel- right, Melrose Park and uh, Prospect. Mm. Because we are preparing also for an evangelistic campaign here in South Australia in the next couple of years. Yes. And um, also, yeah, we try to put everything in place to to be able to reach out to yes. as many as possible That's here right. in the beautiful city of Adelaide, the city of churches. <laughs> but I'd like to come to David Delima from Family Voice Australia. David, it's good to have you with us too. Well, thank you, Nick, and uh, co-panelists. Lovely to see you both. Uh, it's good to have uh, David uh, quite on a regular basis with us here, in particular uh, sharing on the um, World Watch segment. Uh, David is bringing to our attention um, things which are happening, uh, you know, in the world, in the church, uh, uh, in the political uh, uh, arena. And uh, it's very good to have you with us, David. Always we enjoy uh, your uh, presence and your, your sharing. And... Um, my dear listener, you may have a question to some of these uh, wonderful co-hosts here in the studio. Uh, don't address too many to me, but you can do that to David, Sam, and Tracy. And uh, look, we'll take all the questions which you will have. A text message, please send us on zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one. I think I'm going right now uh, to just look at the article about um, something going on just in the recent uh, days and I think this is not going to finish uh, very soon I believe it's just the beginning of all the confusion and uh, things going on uh, in the world and in the church and uh, this is an article here written about um, something going on in the UK in uh, the Anglican uh, Church. Uh, Sam, um, would you be able to just bring to our attention uh, what's this article about uh, today? And we'll, uh, we'll just throw it to, to the panel here and uh, discuss a little bit around uh, this. Yeah, um, there was an MP in, um, in England who brought to Parliament um, a motion to uh, compel the church to celebrate same-sex marriages within the premises of the churches. Mm. So that's that's basically what the church is facing. Yeah, it's called ten-minute um, bill. This gentleman um, Ben Bradshaw will present a ten-minute rule motion on uh, Tuesday, on the twenty-first uh, of March. That was just uh, a few days uh, ago asking permission to bring a bill to enable clergy to the Church of England to conduct same-sex marriage on Church of England. As reported by the uh, Times, uh, Bradshaw's bill would advocate for same-sex uh, weddings to be allowed in the Church of England, as you just mentioned, um, Sam. Now, um, 
What's interesting on this uh, uh, article that people in the parliament, they took uh, also position in regard uh, to mm-hmm. this. Before we are moving a little bit further, now, uh, David, uh, David Lima, as I mentioned, uh, he's from Family Voice Australia, always with good insights in regard how the church and state work mm-hmm. together. I mean, as we know, it's always better when church and state is separated. <laughs> You know, but uh, what's your view, David, uh, on this article so far? Yes, you're absolutely right. There should be a distinction between what goes on in the church and what goes on in government, although they can encourage each other. We're called to pray for government, and government, of course, has a responsibility to enable freedom of faith. Um, but beyond that, um, it's a mistake when things are too cosy. Unfortunately, the Church of England is is, is effectively run by the government. It's an established mm-hmm. state. The sovereign appoints, for example, any of the bishops, that's the senior leadership of the Anglican Church, generally on advice but not necessarily, and that's an unusual position. So uh, what is disappointing, though, is that the parliament would presume to tell the church how it should function, and so... We've got the situation now where the church may move away from uh, its historic position, which is to recognize that marriage is is between a man and a woman, uh, to something else. Now, the church has drifted already, and earlier this year it was resolved that Anglican priests would be able to bless same-sex couples. Mm -hmm. Uh, Deeply disappointing. If only people could look at the words of Jesus who said, have you not read what it was at the beginning where God made the male and female? And for this reason, what reason? It's the difference. Because God made man male and female, then we can have such a thing as marriage. Mm -hmm. You can't marry that which is the same, whether it be a culinary marriage such as rhubarb and custard, or whether it be copper and gold to make a nice piece of jewellery that won't be so soft that it's useless, and in particular, male and female, which is the only way that we can produce children naturally. Mm, mm. And and another thing which um, really caught my attention with this uh, article, because on drive time, yeah, for the whole week, we were looking at um, uh, this uh, theme, uh, relevant or redundant the Ten Commandments in a post-biblical world. Now, it's interesting that uh, in many churches, uh, people are very quick to dismiss uh, the Ten Commandments or uh, the law. Uh, Just because, um, you know, in the Gospels we read that uh, we are saved by grace, which is true. But I wonder how can you deal with certain aspects like in this case uh, with a same-sex marriage, if you are uh, happy to put aside the law of God, you don't have much uh, to stand on. Is that uh, correct, Sam? Well, uh, that's the case. If you uh, where there is uh, where there is no law, there is no sin. The Bible tells us the the law of God is what defines right and wrong. And so if we do away with that definition, then everything goes. Everything is right then. Everyone does according to their own uh, definition of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. David? Yeah, and uh, what it means is that we've got to pray for government and we've got to be more active as salt and light. Uh, God loves government. It's one of his great gifts to the world. And it's there really to provide ministry on behalf of those who have not received the gospel. If the law of God will not be written in our hearts, it will have to be written in the laws of the land. Mm. Um, But that means that we should pray for government and be more active. And what's going on both in Parliament and in the churches and it's happening all over the world, 
what's going on is happening because we are not living up to our role as God's people to be salt and light. Mm-hmm. Also, looking at the article, but it says here that um, uh, although the bill is unlikely to move forward during this parliamentary session due to time constraint, it seems an opportunity for the MP to raise the issue's um, profile and check the temperature of support for such a measure among his uh, fellow politicians. Now, um, uh, Peter Cole, uh, priest and consultant, told Premier Christianius, uh, that although the Church of England is devoted body of parliament, it stopped writing canon law in the 1970s. But uh, you see, things are still pushed on in, in the parliament, you know, to put some laws in place. And I'd like to just um, go now to another section of this uh, article. And this is um, Second Church State Commissioner, which responds to Christian uh, MPs motion pushing the same-sex marriage. And he says here, the second church estate commissioners, Andrew Sellos, has responded to uh, Labour MP uh, Ben uh, Bradshaw's motion, asking parliament to intervene to see same-sex weddings in the Church of England. On Tuesday, the um, MPs for uh, Exeter introduced a 10-minute bill uh, rule intended to nudge the Church of England to enable clergy to conduct sex marriage in the denomination's church in certain circumstances, while least protecting conscientious objection. Now, I don't know uh, what to say here because uh, uh, people are standing against each other in the parliament. One tried to push this bill through, another is trying to say that the Parliament job is not to sort out doctrinal issues of the church. What's your uh, well, understanding uh, on this? That's that's the role of Parliament is to discuss and to argue, uh, but it's not the role of Parliament to rule church, to legislate church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the um, the government should uh, l- let church have its freedom to pass its own laws and come to their own conclusions. No government has the right to rule to rule over conscience, and where God alone can rule. But is that the case uh, as we speak, or uh, we, we see more and more legislation pushed? Yes, the, the freedom of churches to operate according to Scripture and led by the Holy Spirit is being diminished constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think of the attack on Christian education that's raging across the nation at the moment. Uh, parents want freedom of choice to be able to send their children to distinctively Christian schools. That's right. But if some governments would have their way, think of the Northern Territory last year, the uh, the Catholic Bishop of Darwin is still threatening to shut down the entire Catholic school system because mm-hmm. he's, he's so concerned that its ability to maintain its faith is being taken away. Now, whether we agree or, or disagree with Catholicism isn't the point there. The The point is that Faith-based schools must be able to proceed without government interference, and the the doctrines of the church and the practices of the church similarly should be uh, within the custody of God's people and not dictated to by governments. Yeah. And Nick, one of the things that concerns me is that the wording of that talks about enabling the church to be able to do it. 
And I wonder very much if this is just a soft entry point, where does it move from enabling to enforcing? That's right. right. Well, this is coded language, really. It means that it will be forced upon the church for those clergy that want to use the opportunity, which there are many, sadly, within the Anglican Church. But there are many who hold to the orthodox position that marriage is between male mm-hmm. and female. In fact, there's a massive tension throughout the Anglican communion worldwide, uh, and mostly the, the Anglicans worldwide are in Africa. <laughs> They're not in Britain. And so, uh, really, uh, the unity of the church is also being destroyed by these actions so it's not a happy time at all no and just as you said that uh, uh, david i read but i couldn't think of the name uh, of um, church in um, in uk a big church which they uh, said that if they continue to go in this uh, direction they will pull out of the church of england yes well many congregations and clergy have done that over the years mm-hmm. yeah right okay well look um, this article Continue to go on. It says here, doctrine is not determined by the local decision, varying by um, parish or diocese, but is decided centrally, not by a small group of bishops, but through the prayerful deliberation and decisions of democratically elected synod. That's what they said in the article. It's it's interesting that position because in reality, the conscience of a Christian. Is not tied to an organization, mm-hmm. but the conscience of a Christian must only be subjected to the authority of the Word of God. So when uh, organizations, doesn't matter what name they have, they go against the Word of God, then it is the right of a Christian to oppose those decisions because our conscience must be subjected to God alone. In this case, we are not talking only about the political uh, aspect or the legislative uh, body, but even in the church. If the church take a position or direction which is not supported by the Bible, then uh, we run in the same uh, problem, the same difficulties. Very good point, uh, Sam. And uh, they continue to say here that they will meet uh, this legislative body of the Church of England. They will meet in uh, July to decide the way in which uh, the decision um, to bless uh, same-sex couples will be implemented across the country, which means it's still on the table there, on the cards, yeah. Mm. And uh, how that will proceed, uh, we'll just have to uh, wait and see. And um, uh, Salos concluded. I know that the General Synod will continue to listen carefully and respectfully to the views of this House, just as I would ask Parliament to be respectful to the views of the Synod. Now, again, here you try to be a, um, how to say, a bridging position, but as you just pointed out, Sam, we need to be even more aware of the the fact that it doesn't matter which body uh, legislates, think if things are not biblical, then uh, we should not take it. You can't sit on the fence. You can't sit on the fence. Uh, it's, it's just another point in regards to that is that for many years, uh, churches have also danced with the government in order for the government to support and pass legislations that support you know, the ideas and beliefs of churches, which is as wrong as the government trying to control churches. Mm. There should be a definite separation between church and state in which both are free from the control of the other. That's correct. That's correct, Sam. We'll take just a a brief uh, break here and we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to The Drive Time Show on Faith FM. 
your life gets harder and the world gets worse, Jesus has the answers. Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family or workmates? Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. And this is uh, Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A with Nick Rita. And with us here in the studio today, we have uh, Tracy Papandreou, Sam Braga, and uh, David DeLima. Now, we just looked at the World Watch before the break, uh, talking about some issues going on in the Church of England in regard to the same-sex marriage. But um, the theme which we had for the whole week here on Drive Time it's about uh, relevant or redundant Ten Commandments in the post-biblical world. We already look at some questions like could Ten Commandments be God's gift to humanity or uh, relevant or redundant give honor to mom and dads? Very interesting question and uh, uh, I was listening to that program, uh, Pastor uh, Gary with uh, Eric and uh, uh, Suzanne talking about family and how uh, children uh, these days, they uh, apply that in, um, in this society. Not much respect uh, we learn about that uh, um, these days we can find. And then another question um, was, does God speak about violence or to violence? Uh, I, I thought that was good uh, and a very interesting program too. And is God unreasonable by putting in place commandments, restrictions? Some people think that the Ten Commandments is just a very restrictive, restrictive uh, set of laws there. But today we are going to ask uh, another question. And I believe this will, uh, will be wonderful to be able to see, to look into the Bible and to learn how important it is to be guided and to be protected from the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is nothing against us. It's for us. And the the question we are going to ask is, are the Ten Commandments relevant to the New Testament Christians? Because I heard about more and more in many churches that we are Christians of the New Testament. We don't need to keep the law, you know, referring to the Old Testament, the laws in the Old Testament, and so on and so forth. Now, just before we are uh, going to go into this and Tracy to share with us a few passages in the Bible in this regard, uh, what do you think about this aspect in the light also of the discussion we had before on the World Watch, what's happening in the Church of England? Well, there, there's a common argument amongst Christians that says that the law was nailed to the cross mm-hmm. and that therefore um, Christians are not obliged to obey that law. Um, if that's the case, then... Christians have no moral uh, stand to take a stand against what is going on, the demoralization of the Western society, um, and we lose all authority to do so. Mm-hmm. That's right. David? Jesus also said uh, the greatest commandment is to love God and love your neighbor, and on this hang the law and the prophets. He said the same thing about the golden rule. This is the law and the prophets. Which means there are not only two commandments now, 
uh, love your God and love your neighbor, or love well, your they, God and your neighbor well, includes they, the Ten Commandments. <laughs> the, the, the two greatest commandments really summarize all of the commandments. That's correct. Yes, and uh, they they uh, are at the apex uh, or the heart of all the other commands. Mm. So we don't we don't often think about law as being very loving, but that's exactly what it is. And if we could love God and love our neighbor, then all the other commandments will be filled anyway. Correct. In the law, there's a wonderful union that we often don't see, which is justice and love, which is uh, two things that are very difficult for man to keep in balance. And mm-hmm. yet, in the law of God, we have that uh, that amazing balance because uh, the, the law of, the law by nature is justice. Mm. But the Bible also tells us that the law of God by nature is love. Mm-hmm. That's great. Tracy, uh, you prepared a few passages in the Bible uh, mm-hmm. today, and um, I would like to just yeah, come to you now, and just please share with us, I mean, are the Ten Commandments uh, relevant uh, to to the New Testament churches? Well, where I wanted to start was to just quickly go through the Ten Commandments. We may have listeners who are not completely sure what's actually covered in the Ten Commandments, so I'm going to do it Briefly, I'm not going to actually read them all out, but just step people through them. In uh, Exodus 20 is where we find them all listed. The first commandment that's talked about is about not having any other gods before the God. And this is about, this concerns uh, our relationship with God. It concerns ensuring that God is sovereign in our lives, that we place him at the apex. So uh, this is a commandment to, if you like, help us to have a better relationship with God. The second commandment talks about not having any carved images nor bowing down to them. And again, this is about recognizing God as sovereign and concerns our relationship with him. You actually notice as we go through, there's there's a division. There's uh, The first four commandments are actually all about our relationship with God, where the, the other six are about our relationship with our fellow man. If I move, move on to commandment three, um, it's about not taking the Lord, name of the Lord your God in vain. And again, this is concerning, um, in short, giving us counsel to treat God with respect and, and reverence. You know, I even think about things like, I shudder when I hear people refer to God as the man upstairs. Because the way I view this, you know, when people read this commandment, they often think it's about not using God's name as a, as a curse mm, or a swear mm. word. But I also read it as, when we belittle God by the man upstairs or all of those, you know, I used to use it before I was a born-again mm. Christian myself, you know, all of these ways to refer to God, which some people use almost because they're too, I think, embarrassed mm. to actually be bold and, and use the name of, of God because it's done so infrequently these these days. And, and just simply as people just say, oh, gee, you know, uh, so often, everywhere, you know, you hear that. That could be another uh, way of uh, taking yeah, God's some, name in, some in vain. Some view, view it that way, mm. yes. Um, and the fourth commandment is about remembering the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, to observe it as a day dedicated to the Lord in which you do no work and you don't make others work on your behalf. And this is 
concerning giving God and the things of God absolute priority for one period of the week. This doesn't mean that we don't have him as important in our lives for all of the other time, but this actually gives us permission to take time out of our other obligations so that we do have proper time to spend with him, proper time to do perhaps more in-depth Bible study, to share with other people about our relationship with, with God. Again, it's about recognizing him as sovereign, as our creator, um, and it's in- ensuring that we will have that time available to work on our relationship with him. I think personally, uh, this commandment gives us a great reset from the world, if you like. We get so, we're, we're pull, sucked into the things of the world during the week. And I think having the one day set aside where we deliberately cut off from all of that as we can, uh, I think that gives us that uh, amazing ability to, to have a reset, if you like. So those are the fo- first four which really deal with our relationship with God. They put boundaries, if you like, around our relationship with God. But whether boundaries is the right word, uh, we we are given uh, commandments in order to assist our relationship with God. Help us to, you know, uh, in our mind, understand, you know, this is the God of the universe and he mm. needs to be given I mean, that w- while you said respect. that, um, you said boundaries, you know, and you hesitated a little bit. You know, um, I'm a coming from a farmer background and we raise sheep, you know, and we put a fence around the sheep. We didn't put the, the fence around the sheep to restrict them. We put a fence around them to protect them. Mm. <laughs> and that's what the law of God is. In, even in this case, the four commandments is to protect us, to be able to only worship the true God uh, or to worship God respectfully and all those uh, aspects. Protecting our relationship correct, with him, if you correct, like. Correct, as you yeah. just pointed out in the first uh, four commandments. Mm. And in the next uh, six commandments, commandments is the same. Yes, but this actually also um, uh, is about uh, helping us to understand uh, about how we are to interact with our fellow man. Uh, so commandment five, honor your father and your mother. I know that that was discussed in, in full during the week. And this concerns family relationships. Good relationships provide happiness, peace and stability in our lives. Mm. So this is a commandment that, you know, if, if we, uh, ensure that we are applying that, then that provides us with um, the opportunity to have more happiness, peace and stability in our lives. Commandment six, you shall not murder. Again, it concerns our relationships with others and puts barriers around how we might treat others to ensure our society enjoys happiness, peace and stability. You shall not commit adultery is the seventh commandment. And this concerns our relationships with those closest to us and puts boundaries around that relationship. Again, in order to uh, ensure that we might have strong and enjoyable marriages. Commandment eight, you shall not steal. So again, this is about our relationship with others, respecting the possessions of, of other people, that we might all have peace and not be fearful with regard to, you know, the fact that what we worked hard for or been blessed with um, might be taken away from us. Commandment nine is you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor concerning our relationship with others again. You know, I think about this is actually 
an extension of stealing, I think, because when we bear false witness against our neighbour, it's almost like we are potentially stealing their possibility for a good reputation mm. with other people. We kind of get, if we do that, we often will get in the way of a person being able to see, be seen for who they are at the outset when somebody meets them, for example, because you would know yourself if somebody has said something negative to you about somebody else and it's not true at all, um, sometimes it's hard to treat that person, you know, without that cloud mm. of what you've been told, you know. So, so again, it's about, you know, giving people, you know, the, the opportunity to, to um, be, you know, dealt with as to who they are and what they do. Um and um, the tenth commandment is you shall not covet, and I just think this is so important. It says you won't, don't covet your neighbor's house, wife, servants, ox or donkey. So that might be these days their car, or you know maybe some great equipment they've got at home to help them. You know some labour saving devices, and this is about. Uh, concerns our ability to be content with our life. You know, it's so important because uh, I have known people who have been very wealthy but had a tendency to look at what they don't have. Mm. You know, where you see people often in third world countries who they have nothing but they're really, really happy. You know, because that covetousness that is often part of the Western mm. world uh, is, is just not part of it. That's their- right. And, and there are, to say uh, the truth, even those people who may not have much, but they can still uh, covet, you know, and yes. do all those things. Um, just before I'm taking a short break here mm-hmm. and have a song prepared, I wonder if um, in regard to the Ten Commandments, as Tracy was just um, laying out uh, before us here, if we have any comments here in the studio. Sam? It's interesting to see how uh, the commandments define what is sacred because only God has the power and the right to define sacredness. No human being can do that. And the last six, uh, five, uh, six commandments define the sacredness of the family, the fifth commandment, the sacredness of life, the sixth commandment. The seventh commandment is the sacred of the sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, eight, the eighth commandment is the sacredness of human property. The, uh, the ninth commandment is the sacredness of our words. Mm-hmm. And the uh, tenth commandment is the sacredness of our thoughts. Right. So every commandment defines an area of sacredness. Looking at the fifth commandment, it's very interesting that embedded in this, the fifth commandment is the reality of gender father and mother. Mm. So for God, gender is so important that he enshrined it in his law. Very well said. Mm. Uh, thank you for pointing out that. David? Yes, that's a great point, Sam. I'd never thought of that before, so thank you for mm. sharing that. Um, thinking about things being enshrined, I'm reminded, of course, that the United States Supreme Court building has pictures of lawgivers, including Moses holding the two tablets mm. containing the Ten Commandments. And the oak doors of the U.S. Supreme Court building, that's the top court in the United States, they're carved with the Ten Commandments and they're on display on the wall above the judge's seat. So we don't seem to have that heritage here in Australia for some reason. Mm. The United States is ahead of us in that respect, that they want to give honour to the Decalogue, as we might call it, the Ten Commandments. 
that's so fundamental to law codes in the in the Western tradition, and we really need to restore that. It's disappointing also to note that so many Christians don't know what are the Ten Commandments, and I might just give a little challenge to some of the listeners. If you don't know them by heart in the right order, then now's the time to do so. <laughs> Mm. That's true, that's true. Hey, we are going to take a short break here, but just before we do that, I would like to bring to your attention, my dear friend listening today, our uh, gift which we have prepared for you, and it's a book, God's Truth Can Change Your Life, by uh, George Knight, wonderful uh, author. Uh, if you haven't uh, read any books by George uh, Knight, I recommend you to uh, take this book. You need to send us a text message with the code SA109. Hundred and when I say 109, don't, don't put the word end. <laughs> because 109. <laughs> because we came to that uh, difficulty with our uh, robot, which was very confused. Some people put uh, SA end. 109. Now it's SA109. No space in between. And I think our friendly robot will take care of that. <laughs> he's not that smart, but he's not that dumb either. Um, and the, this book actually, if I could just point out a couple of things, um, which you may like to learn from it, it's, um, um, things about the good news in the confusing world. Um, Jesus, the center of the story. What went wrong with God's perfect world? God's solution to the sin problem? Christians and God's law. We are talking about that uh, today. Time for life's most important things. What happens when we die? God's last message to a dying world. Judgment. Is good news? The hope of the world. I think this will be uh, this will be a very good book for you my dear friend to have it in your hands and uh, read it. Please send us a text message with uh, the code SA109 and um, yeah, the robot will take care of that. Please stay with us. We have a song prepared and we'll be back shortly. Love 
That was a beautiful song. Uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. And uh, we are talking about uh, today about the Ten Commandments, if they are uh, relevant in the New Testament uh, church. This is Faith FM, Drive Time, big Q&A with Nick Rita. And with us in the studio here um, is Tracy Papandreou. Uh, Sam uh, Braga. Just before the break, we were um, looking at the um, uh, Ten Commandments, and uh, Tracy, you just uh, uh, short in the short, uh, you know, presented to us and uh, a few comments about uh, uh, you know uh, about the Ten Commandments. And what I like, what Sam, you you said that um, now you you make made reference in particular about the um, uh, last uh, six commandments that they uh, they are what. What they, did you say? They define what is sacred. Sacredness of the law, mm. okay, which is important. And I believe um, that can be applied very much for the first uh, four commandments, mm. too. Of course. Um, and I, I, I like that thought. Now, my dear friend, if you miss some of the um, program, you know that you can listen back uh, by uh, um, Looking at uh, your app, if you have it, Faith FM app, and listen on demand. If you don't have the Faith FM Australia app, please download that because it's very good to have it. Uh, even when you are in a um, area where uh, the reception may be a bit scratchy, you know, it's very good on uh, on the app to to listen to our programs. Or you can go to faithfm.com.au and listen there on the podcast. But I want to mention also that uh, our free offer for today is God's Truth. Can change your life by George Knight, and um, the code for this book is SA one zero nine. Please um, request this book if you like it. Um, uh, we don't have time to go through the um, uh, details of the book right now, but you'll find out a wonderful book in your hands if you send a text message to zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one. Now, um, coming back to you both, uh, Tracy and Sam, and now um, to to wrap it up in the next uh, few minutes, maybe five, eight minutes may have left here. Um, and just, yeah, just talk a little bit more, Tracy, about the role of the Ten Commandments um, in our time, and particularly for the um, uh, New Testament uh, churches. Well, we made a quick reference to it earlier, but I'd like to look at it a little bit more fully right now because you often get people saying, well, I just follow Jesus, you know, um, as if Jesus is kind of different and had a different idea than what's in the Old Testament. And uh, people will often use uh, Matthew twenty-two thirty-four to forty to say that as as a as a reference to say that the Ten Commandments are no longer valid. So I just like to go through that quickly. This is about when um, a Pharisee came, a lawyer came, and actually uh, came and questioned Jesus about a few things. Um, so I'm starting in verse thirty-four. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, "Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law?" Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So one, uh, I like to uh, just highlight 
that Jesus is very much uplifting the law and the prophets, which is the Old Testament. So there is no way that Jesus was saying, oh, just, just you know, don't worry about that anymore. Um, but I would also say, as we mentioned previously, how do you know how to love God fully without the guidelines that we've already been given mm. in the Ten Commandments. And that's why the, and the song we had was about, if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm. And how do we know to fully love our neighbor if we don't have some standards which give us some guidelines around that? Because as we said, you know, uh, this my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth, is a really dangerous place because, and I know this is an extreme thing I'm quoting, but the pedophile may say, I really love this child. Well, mm. that's his view of love. You know, so so we really have to be careful that we have a, a sacred sta- a standard to look at, to refer ourselves to when we're called to love God with all our hearts and everything in us and also to love our neighbor as mm. well. Mm. Sam, any comments on that? Yeah, the Jesus in his words is not doing away with the law, but he's setting it in the true um, engraving of the law, which is, the, which is love. Because if we want to do away with law, then we have to do away with God's love. Mm. Because in the mind of Christ, they are inseparable. Paul speaks of the of the of the law as being defined just by the word love. Jesus defined divides the law into two great principles, love to God, love to man. Paul tells us that the fulfillment of the law is love. And so love is the very essence of God's law as it is the essence of God's character. So if you destroy the law of God, if the law of God is done away with, then God has done away with his love. Mm, And it's almost what came into my mind, Sam, as you were talking about that, is about the commitment that a husband and wife give to each other on their wedding day. You know, those are sacred commitments that they give to each other to um, so that they can know the nature of that relationship that they're going to have with each yeah. other. It's a guideline. It's this is this is how we will treat each other. Yeah. And and these commandments are about this is how I will look to have my relationship with God, and this is that I will seek to have my relationship with my fellow man. Yeah. It's interesting that. The Bible says that uh, in the spirit we fulfill the law, and and the fulfillment of the law is love. So when a husband, when a man and a woman get married, they don't need to repeat to each other, "Oh, hey, you shall not commit adultery." No, it, because they love one another, and not committing adultery is something natural. It's something beautiful. It's even seen as strange and as a violation of the covenant when when it happens. So that's the way God wants us to keep his law. It's just, it, that's why Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm. Only if the love of God dwells in our hearts, then we will abide by those principles. Mm. And the love uh, aspect uh, is uh, relevant and present in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, right. the same. Right? We cannot uh, separate this. And uh, as we often hear, uh, I like to be a Christian of the New Testament. That's right. I mean, the Ten Commandments uh, written in the Old Testament uh, have a relevance in the New Testament. Yes. And um, probably, uh, Tracy, I'm not sure if we, uh, 
probably we have time to just look at that um, passage in uh, Timothy in second timothy um are you going to uh, to just yeah. mention that one sure. because i think uh, you know we know that all scripture is of relevance and uh, that's a beautiful passage actually in uh, second uh, timothy uh, chapter 3 uh, verses 16 17 yeah i've got it here uh and we often quote this actually you mm. and i nick uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of god may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work so this is paul who is actually quoting this and, and saying hey it's all good it's all relevant. You know, I, I really believe when you start chopping and slicing and saying, I'm only going to take this and I'm only going to take that, you know, you may as well throw the whole thing out as far as I'm concerned because mm. you you distort things so much, you know. Um, I quickly want to say too, though, that some people, you know, they look at that, um, the scripture which talks about, it's in Jeremiah, that of God's plans to write the laws in our minds and our hearts. So therefore, you know, we don't need to worry about all this. But Jeremiah also tells us that the heart is deceitful. Mm-hmm. If we don't have a standard, we do move again to this my truth, your truth, and really shaky ground. The law is such an important um, point for us, especially these days as things are becoming more and more confusing. There are more and more churches who are losing their way. Um, this is really important. And I believe even though the Ten Commandments, as we know, they were written with the finger of God, given to Moses uh, in the Old Testament, but the God speaks in the Bible that I will put it into your heart. Mm. I will write it into your heart. Even more significance, you know, uh, because it's easy to write it on something and maybe uh, leave it there, you know, uh, the dust to cover the, the thing there, you know. But when it's in you... I think it's very relevant. Now, uh, we have only a minute uh, left, a minute or two, uh, and uh, we talked uh, about this uh, relevant or redundant, uh, the Ten Commandments in the post-biblical world. I would like maybe each one of you, uh, Sam, if you could um, give us a um, take-home point. Well, Jesus said very clearly, I did not come to destroy the prophets or the law. I came to fulfill. Till heaven and earth will pass away, not one jot or one tittle of the law will be done away with. Beautiful. Tracy? Where would we be without the law to give us guidance? There would be chaos. Uh, I just, uh, the more I know about God's word and his law, the more I love his law. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, guys, for sharing with us today. I believe this is very important. My dear friend uh, listening uh, to us, uh, please join us again next time because we're going to continue uh, to look a little bit more into the law of God. And um, next week we are going to look into this theme. You are not a robot. And the first question is the Sabbath, a gift to the rat race. Please join us again next time because you'll enjoy the program. Until then, may God richly bless you and have a wonderful walk with Jesus. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. 